Hi, this is the great Matt Baldoni, and I'm here today to tell you why you should never listen to the Clary Podcast. Ever. Want to know why? Well, I'll tell you. Because it fucking sucks! Fan mail. From Alex. Aaron, I want to give you a testimony on a recent question. Someone asked if a high IQ has a place in the military, and then you proceeded to describe my life. Sadly, I'm not asking you a question. My life is in a position as to not need your services. That That's because I took the advice you offered 17 years ago. See, here's the coveted guy. Ah, uh, if I only had you 17 years ago. Ah, but he followed it. He followed it. Where was I 17 years ago? I think I was in my 20s. 25? Yeah. Starting to get wise by that time. Starting to get wise. Just as you described, I did poorly in high school, graduating with a 1.7 GPA, and felt like a dunce for it. I became friends with a psychologist and took a clinical IQ test, getting a 136. Looking back, I could have done better, but due to some of my old high school habits, I missed quite a few of the general knowledge questions. When presented with questions I didn't know the answer to, I would just throw out a wild guess instead of working through the problem. I'm sure my current score would look much better. Shortly thereafter, I achieved some limited goals, some limited life goals, and felt stagnant. My older brother had just gotten out of the army, and he offered a sober perspective of military life. But more than anything, he presented it as a legitimate challenge. I enlisted in the Navy as a hospital corpsman, 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 and it was great. During my time, I was given a great deal of responsibility, opportunities to. I bet you just flew through your ass, app. I bet you the recruiter was very happy. Opportunities to serve people in a deep, meaningful way to include the Taliban and, above all, learn the living definition of sacrifice. Getting out in 2010, I jumped right into college, and in a few weeks, I'll be getting my physician's assistant's master's degree. They make good bucks. Talking with the most, talking with the most of my classmates, they are walking out with approximately $150,000 in debt while I've had my tuition and supplies covered along with a living stipend. See? You go, oh, you just want a military, oh my god. You're not going to find a better opportunity, ladies and gentlemen. You're just not. Regrettably, some of them have deemed me unworthy of this charity, but that is just what happens when you go to a liberal university. At the time of graduation, I'll have a 3.6 GPA, along with the perspective of which institution has greater value. While I was in, the most intelligent person I ever met was a Marine Corps grunt. And I fought alongside 19-year-olds that were skilled and competent enough that I could put my soul in a briefcase and hand it to them with little concern. I wouldn't trust the vast majority of college students, those precious snowflakes, with a bucket of my feces. I, I can't believe... Yeah, give me a Marine over a college student every, any day. Man, I'll, I'll tweet that out. I'll tweet that out. I'll get a lot of likes. I know that you already know this since people pay you for your brain, but was compelled to let you know and your clientele if you like that a life following the advice you gave that day Oh, that a life following the advice you gave that day has a high probability of success, and I wish more people listened to you. Also, getting my IQ tested lifted a lot of unnecessary baggage off of me since after that I knew there wasn't anything defective with my abilities. It, I, can't, I cannot emphasize that. Look, I understand if you guys don't want to buy my book or you don't like reading. High IQ people typically don't write, like reading, but that's why I put them all in audiobooks so you guys don't really have an excuse now. 
But do yourself the favor and at least get an IQ test online through Queendom or one of the you know semi-legitimate ones. Don't go to these. Don't take a, an IQ test on Facebook. But just get your IQ tested, all right? So you at least know what's going on. It, it, it does answer a lot of questions. Because your GPA has nothing to do with your intelligence. That's just how good you are at school and rote rehearsal and regurgitating stuff the teacher told you. So just get your IQ tested. Uh, you managed to describe the last 20 years of my life right down to the preference of Robotech over most required reading. Take care, Alex. Well, thank you very much, Alex. I appreciate that. I think that'll go into the memento box. Uh, what else? Was that it? No, I had to have more. It was more than that. Hang on. There we go. All right. Uh, <clears throat> David Wright, uh, David writes, Aaron, I found your podcast and content via Tom Likas' stream. Your show and content is fantastic. I can relate well to some of it, as I, too, live in Minneapolis as well. It is great when you rip into the SJWs, the crazy liberals in the state, uh, especially whiny Dayton and the dumbass mayor of Minneapolis. As I am listening to episode 201 of your podcast, you talk about the guy who leases and loans everything. It is very similar to a guy I work with. The guy I work with is going through divorce. He wanted to buy a town home in a suburb and couldn't qualify because his ex-wife killed his credit so his new girlfriend had to finance it <laughs> and he is one of in the I'll, I'll just say he's in the northern suburbs where you wear your good polaris jacket to weddings and funerals he's been talking about leasing yes leasing a dodge ram dodge ram trucks well he did he said he took out a loan on his 403b to put towards the leased truck I laughed hard and laughed harder. Uh, he said he is going to buy the truck outright after the lease, the lease is done. I continued to laugh. This is the same guy who leases his iPhone so he can run down to the Apple store and get the new one on release date. Is this guy a chick? You sure it's a guy? Have you checked? Kind of lean over, you know. He's got to go to the bath. You lean over at the end. Oh, okay, okay, I see. I work at a... Uh, a local school district, and no, I'm not a teacher. I work in a department, I'm just going to say. Recently, you used the word collaboration. Holy frick, that is the magical buzzword in the education field as well. I currently need no consulting or advice, as I have no debt except for some student loans, an excellent credit rating, and a kick-ass retirement fund. I use your Amazon link as much as I can. Very wise. Thank you very much for using my Amazon link as much as you can. I've lived in Minnesota 33 out of my 35 years and haven't been to a state fair either and don't plan on it. Speaking of sheep, I hate Prince as well, which sometimes seems like sacrilege. Thank you, Dave. Well, thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, it, it, yes, buy all your stuff through my Amazon. And yeah, dude, get out of Minnesota. I know, I know we all got our, we planted our roots Oh, Minnesota, nice. Well, you remember, you're almost, well, you're a little, you're almost, I got 10 years on you, never mind. Um, I remember in the 70s and 80s when it was, oh, Minnesota, nice. It actually meant something now. It's like, are you a white guy? Screw you. You you oppress me. Dude, you're white yourself. You you oppress me. Uh, Matthew writes, so I'm a few episodes behind on your podcast. Looking at the situation at Honeywell, I believe they are trying to get rid of a lot of people without having formal layoffs. This is where Honeywell decided to renege on their offer to work remotely from home, which would likely drive the stock prices down. If they can convince people to leave voluntarily, they don't have to pay any severance. 
I'll bet they are also offering early retirement packages to their older employees to get rid of them as well. All the collaborative environment talk is just a smokescreen for what they're really trying to do. The downside is that the people who are skilled enough that they can easily get a job elsewhere are going to leave and the deadwood are going to stay. They are also going to see massive loss in productivity. I know and I've worked with a number of folks who work remotely. Their days often start at 8 a.m. Eastern time and end at 6 p.m. California time. Whereas an IT person, a lot of the work I do is required to be done after hours. I'll be a lot less available if I have to spend 40 hours a week in the office as well. Matt, thank you very much. Matt from the front lines. Let me get rid of those. And that is it for FAML. I thought I had more. I didn't. Um, <clears throat> this week, I will be taking off at some unknown time, maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday, don't know, and embarking on a one-month-long motorcycle ride out to Las Vegas. You say, hey, Captain, does it take a month to get to Las Vegas? Because I was educated in the public schools, and I don't know how long it takes to get from St. Paul to Las Vegas, but it seems, you know, a month, that's how long it would take the pioneers to get, you know, from St. Louis to California, I uh, know it does not take a month. Uh, I, I'm taking a month, and I am, for once, this will be my first trip. Every other motorcycle ride or adventure, in part because of the size of the country, but more so because of the limited time or even budget, I I would have to go to a destination. You, you couldn't, you had to be very, um, very uh, lean with your time. You had to be very efficient with your time. There was a structure, an itinerary, a plan, a schedule to make. Make it to Rocky Mountain National Park. Climb Hallett's Peak. Make it down. Get your butt over to Hanging Garden. Climb that. Get down and then get your hotel in that little town that's in the in the canyon there. Uh, wake up. Go. Drive. Do it. There was always, always rushing. Always rushing. Which is in part when I come back from vacation, I'm just as exhausted as when I left. Uh, but it's a different type of exhaustion, typically physical. And so this time, I'm taking my sweet-ass time going all across the uh, American West because the American East sucks. I know, those of you in Ashley, North Carolina, think it's very pretty. It's, it is, it is, for North Carolina, for the East. But I, I got sick and tired of driving past the historical markers. Like, oh, what happened here? A historical marker. Something historical and noteworthy has happened here. Ah, uh, no, I don't have time. I got I to gotta make it to Boise. I got to make it to Salt Lake City. I got I to gotta make it to Moab. Make it to Moab, the story of Aaron Cleary. And then, then you're tortured. Oh, what was that? Oh, did I miss something really cool? And usually, I, I've, I've stopped occasionally at those historical markers. You're not missing much. There's sometimes some like pretty cool. So, oh, the range wars. There was one out in Wyoming, you know, like cattle versus sheep, like actual cattle barons and sheep barons would start shooting at each other over over grazing pastures and land. But so you you kind of like, but a lot of it's just like what's down that road. Uh, when I go through, if I take the highway 212 route out to the Black Hills, which is more scenic than going on the interstate. Although now a little bit longer because they've increased the speed on the interstate, uh, I get to this town called Face South Dakota. I just I, I don't want to say I love the town, but I'm curious about the town because I always stop in. It's up on this rolling hill, so you could see all over. You could actually see way off in the distance. You could see the Black Hills on a clear day. But to the north, there's like Thunder Butte and all this other stuff, and they found Sue the dinosaur out there. 
and the proto beginnings of Badlands formations are kind of a little bit south of there. And I'm like, oh, what what else is that? Oh, I want to go. Oh, Custer National Forest. Why is there? Oh, there's like this little bit of forest that's part of, that's not, it, it sprouted out of the desert. Well, I just want to go and explore, but nope, I got to go past that exit for Thunder Butte. Continue on to Newell and then Sturgis. And I'll crash in Rapid City or Spearfish, wherever I'm going. Not that I don't mind exploring the Black Hills, of course, but it's, oh, what's up? I don't have the time. We don't have the time. We have to triage. We have to prioritize. No, you have to go and do the Mickelson Trail. That's more important than figuring out what's out there. And then it's not really a vacation. It's not relaxing. It's not fully rehabilitating a therapeutic. It's like you're you're on a race. You're on a schedule, which is what I've done for most of my, because there's been no time. There's been no time. No time, no budget. We got to go. We got to do. We got to cover this ground. We got three days off. What what would normally take people a week, we're going to do in three days. And I've succeeded in that regard. But now, I just want to wander and get lost. I have a couple people I might be crashing with. If they're around, awesome. If not, no problems. I get some get some free lodging. Just kind of, you know. And trust me, guys. If if I've hit you up for free lodging. You won't even know I'm there because I'm just going to go and meander and get lost and then come back and sleep. We'll get dinner. I'll pay for dinner. But I just want to be able to enjoy it. I want to be able to not worry about I got to be someplace at some time before dusk or I got to get there and because I got to get to the, I got to climb this mountain. I got to have my legs have half a day of recouping, uh, but then I'll hit the gym and no, I, I like, like a kid on Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m., starting to watch the cartoons, I don't want one worry, one chore, one thought, one obligation, one rule, one restriction, one time requirement, one thing. I don't want, I just want to hop on my bike and go. That's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm going to go in the Black Hills for a couple days. Yeah, I know I'm going to go out to Wyoming a little bit. Uh, and shoot some hicks. No, prairie dogs. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in Colorado. That's where I'm probably gonna spend most of it. I'm just gonna get lost in Colorado. Uh maybe make it down to Albuquerque, New Mexico, depending on who's around. Then I'm I'm gonna spend some time in Moab, but I'm pretty but I don't know how I'm gonna get there. I don't know where I'm gonna go. I might go through Ure, do some hiking out there. Might uh I know I'm not gonna do northern Colorado. I'm not that impressed with northern Colorado. I may go to Vernal. Maybe I'll just bomb around in Vernal. I really like that area. <clears throat> Dinosaur National Monument. That's when I did a, a whirlwind tour through. Oh, there it is. Get in the car and let's go again. Oh, I want to come back here someday. Now is the time to do it. I'm taking a month to get to Nevada, to, to the southern tip of Nevada. There's a, there's also a park in the middle of nowhere, Nevada. Big, big old desert, and then there's a park with a mountain range of water. And you gotta you gotta really go out of your way to get there. Maybe I'll go check that out. But that is what that's what it's gonna be. That's what it's gonna be. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna ride around and explore. Go wherever the wind not and wind takes me. Get off my bike when something looks interesting. Poke around. About the only thing is I gotta get back before nightfall because that's when the monsters come out by monsters i don't mean bill cosby's joke i mean like deer and animals that you hit in a motorcycle and then you die or severely injure yourself 
But that's what I'm going to do. So I will, I should have internet. Uh, I should be able to keep up the writing. You, you know, once you're, you get to your hotel, it's night. Now. There's plenty of time. It doesn't mean you go to bed. So I'll probably be writing all that. But the podcasting may be a bit meh, especially making it out there. That first trip, man, that first day to cover South Dakota, that is the biggest pain in the patoot. You just got to you just gotta go. You just got to – you got to do it in one shot. Just – I know. It's like, well, you could cut it up a little bit and stop at Chamberlain or Gettysburg or Pierre or Pierre as they call it. No, just, just go – wake up early. And by wake up early in my world, I mean wake up at 9. <laughs> and leave by 9.30. You gain an hour going out west, and, and you'll make it to Rapid City. And then and then the hiking can commence. Ooh, is there going to be some good hiking? Oh, man, there's some, there's some trails I haven't done. There's some stuff I haven't done. I still wish, still wish I had, like, somebody to come with me. I wish I had my clone. I wish I had a... Equally uh, digital nomad, remotely employed individual who can work from his laptop and uh, and can keep up with me hiking and ride motorcycles. That'd be great because then we could drop off one vehicle on one far end of a park and drive the other vehicle to the other far end. And instead of hiking in and then having to hike back to your car or your your motorcycle, you just hike straight through to the other to the other bike or vehicle and then drive back. No, I can't. No, no one out there. No, nobody can keep up with the Claremeister. Nobody can. Oh! The one drawback. The one drawback of my life. The one. Did anyone text me? Yeah, look. What do you wear for leg protection? This comes from Adam, my buddy down. Albuquerque Adam. He writes on my phone. Hang on, let me pull it up. He's getting in more. Uh, what do you wear for leg protection? These are uncomfortable but effective and for only 190 Oh, are these pants things? Yeah, what I do is I got these. Um, he's got racing pants he's showing me. I got these. Um, I don't know what what they would be called. Gauntlets. Um, they're, they're shin guards. That's what they are. They're shin guards and knee guards. So I just strap them to my shins and my knees and then off I go. And uh, last time I didn't wear them, but I should. I should wear those, uh, and I think I will. I don't. Know, I got a. I got a bad feeling about this one. You always go out wondering, like, ah, oh, am I gonna crash? Am I gonna hit a deer? I go to extra lengths not to not to crash or hit deer. No, I drive very safe. Don't drive at night. Don't drive at dusk. Ooh. No, make sure you get good rest, all that other stuff. But yeah, you never know. Quail of all things, quail and pheasants going out on that 212 again. That's your most dangerous thing. Thankfully, I don't. I think you can hit a quail and not die. You hit a big size raccoon, beaver. Oh, you don't know how big beaver. Beaver are huge. They're huge. They're big and round and rotund. You hit that with your bike, you're gonna be lucky you don't flip over. Some raccoons are pretty big, um, but quail and pheasant, I think they just gum up the works. Killed more birds on my motorcycle than I have my car. Never hit a bird. I think birds could see you coming in with a car. They're, oh, hey, something big is coming this way. Motorcycle, it probably doesn't register. And then they try and, you know, the crows are eating the carcass down and they see you come and they fly off at the last minute. Uh, one, one crow and then some other two fowl. Uh, they did not get off in time. Clipped one with my shoulder, one with the windshield, and one with my helmet. And 
Even that, you know, it doesn't really do anything. Just punk, that's it. But, you know, like, there's this bird in front of you and you're going 70 miles an hour. Just like, stay on target. He's backing up. Stay on target. Lighten up. Just hit the bird and go. That's another thing with motorcycle riding. Like, your sun, like, one time I had sunglasses drop off. You know, like, they flew off my face. Your immediate reaction is to grab them. Like, you know, quickly, like, if something falls off the table, grab it. You spill your milk, grab it. Yeah, when you're riding your motorcycle, you're like, no, no, let it go. Because <laughs> when you reach out and rapidly jerk, that's when you throw your bike off balance and you die. So you have to you have to be very zen-like. You have to be very Tibetan monk-like uh, when you're going uh, uh, driving the motorcycle. So, But yeah, so the old captain's going out west. <clears throat> uh, I don't know where I'm going to be. I know I'll be spending a little bit of time in Denver. I might have a meetup in Denver. I don't know. Those even, it's just kind of like, then you got to go, you got to meet, and they're like, it, it does take time, and I think I just... I want a little bit of me time. A little bit of me time. Um, I will be meeting fellow colleagues and peers. Uh, and then I will be out in Vejas. And I'm going to sit there and smoke some cigars. And I'm going to leave my motorcycle with my buddy. So that way I have a vehicle down in Vegas. I don't have to rent a car again. Ever. And then uh, I'm going to fly back home. And it'll be fall. Fall in Minnesota. Fall in Minnesota is actually very nice. Very nice in Minnesota. Reminds me when I was younger. We'd, we'd get on our bikes. You could pedal all around campus working security. And we'd be escorting girls home. And, and you'd always race and compete. See who could get the most amount of escorts in one night. And you wouldn't overheat because it was nice and cool. And oh, it's just nice, fresh. I love fall. Love fall. And then December comes. And you're like, ah. How much? How important is my family? <laughs> do I do I really have to spend Christmas here? Do I really have to spend Christmas with the family? You know, it's like oh, you're cheering on, you know, like Ben Crosby. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. You're like, screw you, Bing. I don't want no snow. I like a nice brown Christmas. I like brown. I want to see all the foliage and the grass dead, and I don't want one millimeter of snow. I can drive and not worry about falling off the road. I don't have to worry about the sheeple when they have the first snowfall, even though everyone's lived in Minnesota their entire lives. It's like they forget every year how to drive in snow, and traffic jams occur, even though it's the good grindy, packy snow that you have just as much grip on. You're like, ah, do I really have to visit mom? <laughs> Ah, I saw Dad five years ago once on a Christmas, sort of. And he forced us to go to Christmas pageants. All those Christmas pageants at least count for five separate visits as an adult, right? I, I could, I could just once that snow falls, I'm like, oh, I, I'm like, I, I got to get down to Phoenix. I got to go. I got to get into my uh, winter parasitism, where where I bum free lodging and couches and and, and lodging off of different friends. In the southern class. What's good, though, I, I have to admit, I got some really great friends. And they're actually happy to see me. Um, especially in Phoenix. I don't know what it is about Phoenix. But I got one buddy. She air bees and bees at her house out. But then she's always like, yeah, as long as I don't have it, you come on down. And I think it's just because she's happy to have friends. I think that's what it is. So she's cool. So I always, And she rides motorcycles, too. So we always we always have a good time. And I got this another couple. Uh, they're over in Scottsdale. Scottsdale. Shlai Charles. Chazius McChazius in the Chadwick the 14th. Um, they're just happy because I'm another adult. <laughs> and 
they're kids. You know, they're kids. You know, but it, 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 it's not that they don't love their kids, but man, I I remember. You thought I had given the guy a brand new Ferrari. I said, hey, you want to go get a drink? He's like, yeah. He's like, can I go? Wifey poo, yeah. I can, sure. And like, he's like going out and you're like, you know, like, hey, do you want to hit another place? Oh, I think we can. Like, he's excited we could go to more than one bar in a night. <laughs> and they're just, I think they're starved for adult interaction aside from each other. You know, you can't, man cannot live on bread alone and you cannot just, survive off of your spouse's conversation you need somebody else and they they got a they got a spare room they're like come on in i'm like all right cool like you know yeah i can watch the kids why don't you guys go out and go have a date really we're free although i don't know if i'd watch over those kids i'd be kind of like one i'd beat the crap out of i'm like you need to get in line and the other one you go away from me Kids are danger. They're very, I, I just, I, you know, up to about three or five, five, even six. I'll give you maybe even seven, but I eight, nine, uh, cause then they're like little kids, especially three-year-olds. Oh my God. My niece, I love my niece. She's so cool because she thinks anything I do is cool. Everything I do is cool. I'm like, I'm like God, you know, I, I come in and, and, and we, we play we just played ball, baseball. I mean, not really baseball. It's somewhat of a limited variant of it. But you get this, like, padded pink bat. Because she's a girl. She gets a padded pink bat. And we get these kind of soft Nerf-like balls. And I teach her how to, to hit in. She hits the ball if she connects. And then she runs. And, and we haven't explained bases yet. But she goes, runs to the tree, and runs back. And I chase her. Uh, and she got to get back to the bat. She got to run to the tree and run to the bat, and then she's safe. So she grabs the bat. She's safe. And um, so she hits it. She th- she's having a grand old. We're just hitting the ball. And then I'm like, "Hey, do you want me to hit?" She's like, "Yeah." And it's 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 like you're you're this super athlete to them, <clears throat> you know. I, I and I just say, "Okay, go over there. Go further. Go further." I take this Nerf ball and this Nerf bat, and I clobber the living hell out of it. And I drive that thing so far into this to her. Now, Mark McGuire or Joe Maurer could make me look like the pathetic baseball player that I am. But she thinks I'm I'm God. She just like looks at the ball, goes like and we're throwing, like, see who can throw the ball the farthest or the highest who's like telephone wires. And she can't throw it to save her life. But she for a three year old she throws pretty well. And I just take that thing, I chuck that sucker over all the television. She just <gasps> You know? And always up for some. Everything's fun. Always up for some. Hey, you want to make paper airplanes? Yeah. And she's excited about it. Hey, you want to go watch planes take off and land at the airport? Yeah. Hey, you want to get ice cream? Yeah. Complete opposite of all my friends now my age. Hey, do you want to go have dinner? Uh, hey, do you want to go get ice cream? I'm tired. Hey, do you want to... Live life a little bit before you die because you're finite. And frankly, the way you're living now, you might as well put a bullet in your head. Want to go for a hike? Take the 3 old kid. Hey, you want to go look at some ducks? Yeah! (laughs) Dude, and for free, for free, you you go get, I don't know, it depends on where you live. Uh, You got to have lakes or ponds nearby, of which there are plenty here in Minnesota. And you get, you know, bluegill, sunfish, crappies, these small little standard fish. They're in every lake. They're they're all over the place. 
You go get some stale bread. You know, the end pieces of the bread. And you, you get you're just an old bag of bread. Hey, okay, let's go. Your buns. And you just take off. And I'm not talking feeding ducks. You don't feed the ducks. You feed the fish. It's a frenzy. You throw in, it's like piranhas. Take a flat, uh, if you ever come to Minnesota. Look, this is, I know Chris Beckloff, when he comes to Minnesota, his dream is to go to the Mall of America, which is a complete waste of time. You want to actually see something cool? When you come to Minnesota, grab a piece of bread, old stale bread, get some Wonder Bread, whatever, new bread, doesn't matter, get some bread. Go to a pier at one of the zillion of parks and lakes we got out here. Just look for some bluegills, you'll see them. And throw the piece of bread in there. Maybe you have to chum them up a bit. Throw a little bit of pieces of bread, a little bit of crumbs. And the bluegills, will start to, they'll start to notice. They got sonar or something. They, they telepath and say, hey, come to the party. There's something being thrown in the water here. And then they'll start eating and eating. And then you throw a full piece of bread like a Frisbee into the water. And it just gets devoured like a cow, except they're piranhas. You've seen the video where the piranhas are like devouring the cow in the water. It's the same thing with this, except with bread. I know, I know. It's like when I go tornado chasing, I never see tornadoes, so I have to settle for dust devils, which are not the same thing. But it's still pretty cool. And these, they'll just they'll nip it out and fight each other for it. It's great. You take your kid, hey, here's some bread. 99 cents, day-old bread over at the, at the gas station. And you just toss some bread into the lake, feeding the fish. They probably all die because they're not supposed to have that much food. And this kid thinks this is the greatest thing ever. This is the you know, old Uncle Aaron. I'm not Uncle Aaron. I'm Uncle Ellen because they can't pronounce just yet. But man, these kids, they... And then, like, give you another perfect example of, of, of teenagers versus three-year-olds. So, you know, you get older. The kids get older. Like, you can't just give them crap gifts no more. So I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's teach them a little bit of wisdom. So I hand out these old silver dollars. Now, I get the cold dollars, and they're a little bit, you know, they're not as expensive as, like, full silver dollars. And they have no collection value because they're very low quality old dollars. But they're old peace dollars and Morgan dollars. You know, they got a date on them, 1889. These are old. You think they're kind of cool, but they actually have some silver value. Dude, I give it to like these kids, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Hey, here's some silver. You think that they'd be in theta. All of them. All of them. Look, this is silver. This is the, ah, but the three-year-old, the four-year-old, the five-year-old. You give them an Indian head penny, which maybe costs a nickel. Go to your local coin dealer. Go buy a bag of them. Not that expensive. You give them an Indian head penny, and it comes from the 1800s. And you give that to them. Or you get them an Eisenhower dollar, which is, I think, a, a dollar fifty or $2 purchase, as long as you don't get the one that has silver in it, which is the size of a Frisbee in their hand. You give it to them. They think that's the... And then they get interested in investing and money and finance and math economics value at, a, of course, a three- or four-year-old level. Oh, they think it's the most wonderful thing. Oh, my. Wow, wow. You, don't, you don't even tell them it's four bucks. They don't even know what four bucks is. Although I did when I was three and four, I knew exactly. It's eerie how much I was like Alex P. Keaton. It's almost like, were you making a documentary on me? He seems a little bit older. Oh, but yeah, man, that... that, that I got one that I see the most, uh, the other ones, because of the wonders of divorce and separated families and possession and uh, not occupation. What do they call it? Not possession. Custody. Custody. Ah, we have split custody. I'm like, I guess I'll see you maybe. Never. <laughs> so sad. They're like, they live within 10 to 20 miles of you. 
And and uh, the schedule never matches up, you know. And all of a sudden, the kid's like ten. And like uh, last I saw you, you were two. You were barely walking. Next time I'll see the other one, she'll like be graduating from college or high school rather. And then um, what else? They're coming up here and there. One set of nieces and nephews they came in from New York. They moved back to St. Paul, and so I get to see them. Uh, you can't do much with one-year-olds. One-year-olds, you can't do. They're not. They're not even conscious you're there. They kind of look at you. They maybe got facial pattern recognition. They know they've seen you somewhere before. They know you're not a threat, and they look at you as if you're a zoo animal. Like, what is that? What is this thing? It's talking to me. It's making faces. I'd. So if you can get it so you pick them up and they don't cry, I think that's achievement. But the three-year-olds, oh, they, they know everything. They're excited. They've Oh, yeah, they know who you are. They like to play. They jump in puddles. We jump. Oh, and there's the other thing. You can totally outrank the parents. Totally outrank the parents. Screw you. I veto you. To hell with you. We're going to go play in the puddle and ruin our perfectly good news shows. I got in a competition with my niece one time to see who could empty out the puddle first by jumping into it like you'd have to splash it and splash it out and obviously i won because i'm like eight times the size of the little kid but yeah i mean we're totally drenched we come walking in the mom just looks at me <laughs> and she was happy i took her off her hand for like two hours I'm like yeah yeah you want me to this is the price <laughs> you had two hours of of rest and relaxation and sanity and quiet and now all you guys at galleries, her shoes are going to get dirty anyway. You know her shoes are going to get dirty. Don't look at me acting like, oh, I, I, I ruined some kind of silk or mink kind of mink thing. And, and the kid was going to grow out of them in three months anyway. Don't, don't tell me. Don't give me the look. That's the other thing. You're not even married. It's, it's, it's like win, win, win. There's no way you can lose. You're not married to the, to the parents in any way, shape, or form. You don't have real any legal responsibility to the kid. You you got a budget that can blow the parents out of the water because they actually have to pay for the kid. You don't. It's it's like it's like going to war against Somalia. I mean, you just you just like ah, we're, we got we're running circles around you. We're running circles around you. We're just gonna spoil this kid rotten. Although it, you, you don't even spoil them with because they don't understand value just yet. You know, paper airplanes, splashing in puddles, throwing rocks, bread into into lakes. Boxes, boxes. I've seen it happen. They open up the Christmas gift and they say, "Here's this great new toy." Hell with the toy. They go play with the box and the bowl. Oh, it's so easy when they're three. It's so easy. Hell, it's probably gonna grow up. And old Uncle Cappy won't have little little Lucifer to play with anymore. And then Geronimo's gonna grow up. King Henry will grow up. And then, uh, then there won't be any more left. And then they'll, they'll go play their games and have their heads stuck into some damn cell phone. And then, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it where they go up from 6 to 16. And, uh, hey, they're fun to play. Hey, poke on it. And then, uh, no, you're not cool anymore. And it's like, ah, oh, all right. Well, I'm not even going to try and fight. I'm not even going to try and fight the teenage years. There's no reason. No reason. Here's some advice and wisdom. Ah, uh, never mind. I'm old fuddy. You become old fuddy-duddy. All right, uh, let's go ahead and do some sponsors here. Uh, the Clarion Podcast brought to you in part by Praxy. Uh, if you need to contact a captain in emergency asshole consulting, 
Go and download the Praxy app, P-R-A-X-E-Y. You can find it on, you know, your Google store or the iPhone store. And it essentially allows you to call me or FaceTime me over your cell phone. Uh, it's $2 a minute because I am a greedy capitalist bastard. And I do try to answer and pick up the phone right away. Um, but make sure you have your question ready to go uh, because I don't want to charge, you know, I'll take as much money as it is, but I, I don't want, I really don't want to screw you guys over. So just don't like, oh, how do I talk hem and haw, haw and hem? No, figure it out. Ask me your question. Read it to me if you have to. <clears throat> and then uh, I can help you out. And then also you might want to think about becoming a, a praxy provider yourself. If you got some kind of skill, for some reason people want to contact you, whether you're a tradesman, computer repair guy, you're a therapist. I hate to say it, but I know I don't have I don't have to hate to say it um, because I know he has not an ounce of business acumen in him, and there's no chance he'll he'll ever listen or actually capitalize off of it. But somebody like Byrne, Bernard Chapin, he he has his masters in psychology. I mean, he could be a therapist. He, he'd be the perfect candidate <clears throat> to offer something like this. Uh, that would presume you have a, a, an ounce of entrepreneurial streak within you and a, and a tad bit of common sense or business sense. Uh, but anyway, for people that have a skill that other people are like, ah, man, I got to talk to you. Or, hey, I, I need, I got a problem with my car. I got a problem with my air conditioner. Something, some kind of trade or skillsman out there. Uh, think about getting the Praxy app for yourself and offering your services online. PRX. Uh, E-Y, P-R-A-X-E-Y. You can visit them at Praxy.com. Uh, we have the Real Mark Baxter. Visit our good pal, Real, uh, well, Mark Baxter, uh, at RealMarkBaxter.com. He's got a blog and a podcast. Uh, if you have not bought your nose hairs, trimmers, or any other online purchases, please do so through my Amazon affiliate program. If you'd like to help the captain, and you're going to have to. <laughs> I lost, uh, I, I laugh at it because I, I, I didn't require it. Uh, but YouTube just basically started demonetizing not just right-wingers, but everybody's videos if they had any foul language in them. Um, so pretty much my YouTube revenue went from about $1,000 a month down to 50 or 100 And it's kind of like the wife that starts off pretty lippy, but then she gets fat. And after a while, I was like, forget it. I'm not invested in this anymore. I, I can't say wife. That means you were committed to this. You start dating a gal. Everything's going great at first. Well, then she kind of starts getting lippy or you find out she's taking lithium. or, or then And then she starts getting fat. It, it's kind of like been like that with YouTube. I never really liked YouTube personally, but it benefited me. And now I have like no vested interest in it whatsoever. So now all I do is I just upload my videos there. I've stopped monetizing. It's not even worth it. I'm not, it is not worth it for the $50 a month to have to fucking or freaking click, you know, uh, edit, monetize, monetize. Oh, oh, oh we, it, I'm not sure. It doesn't meet our standards. You can submit for a, a manual. No, screw you guys. Just screw you. I'm not monetizing any of my stuff. Um, and I'm also going to be uploading, for whatever reason, VidMe authorized my account. They said, hey, you could come on now. I said, I thought you guys didn't want me. Uh, we realized nobody else was coming because we thought we'd have our social justice warrior leftist attitude and lip. And then we realized, oh, if we'd like to make money, maybe we should open the tent a little bit. So I got my VidMe channel. You can find that. Just look up Asshole Consulting on VidMe. And I'm going to be uploading more and more videos up there. Uh, but I'll be doing both concurrently and then 
when YouTube all of a sudden decides, well, you have to pay us to use our platform. And I'll be like, bye. And it will be over for YouTube if it's not over already. Uh, but anyway, uh, so if you want to help out the captain, uh, the only way now really without having to pay for anything is to help me through my Amazon affiliate program. So if you do all your online shopping through my Amazon affiliate program, I would appreciate that very much. All you have to do is go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com first. Look for the Amazon banner. It's on the right sidebar, top right. Uh, and you click on that. It takes you to the Amazon site, but then they know you came from my site. And then I get a 2 to 7% commission on everything you buy. So if you can get into the good habit, I know you do all your online shopping through the app on the phone. That is not going to, it won't work. You Please. Go to Amazon, uh, go to go to my blog site first, use your computer, do it, get used to it, I'd appreciate it, thank you very much, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so do that, and then and that way I could keep the, uh, the podcast going and pay for hosting costs and all that other stuff. Also, if you'd like, you could go ahead and buy different books of mine that may be of use or of interest to you. That includes Reconnaissance Man, if you don't know what to do when you're going to college or what to major in college. Or you're out of college and you still don't know what to do. Or you just plain don't know what to do with life. Reconnaissance Man is the book for you. Methodically, handholds you through the decisions that you have to make to figure out where you belong in life and therefore what you should do. All right? It is a must read. I don't know why it's not a bestseller. Actually, I don't know why a lot of my books are bestsellers, but obviously one might have a bias of their own books. But on a serious note, if you're like, I don't know, if you mumble like that, get Reconnaissance Man, paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. We have the Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty. For any black gentlemen out there who simply demand better in life, please get that book that is written for you. And it's not touchy-feely, oh, whitey's out to get you, vote me in, and I'll go get other people's money BS. It's like, here are the tools and the path to get yourself out of poverty and you never have to answer to nobody again. Bachelor Pad Economics, that is the financial advice Bible for men. For all men, look downstairs into your, into your uh, pants. If you see something that's not flat, okay, that means you're a man. All right, get the book Bachelor Pad Economics. Whether you're 14 or 74, get it. It goes over all the major, mediocre, and minor financial decisions you are going to make in your life. And if you take the time to drop the money and the time to read it, you are going to save yourself, I guarantee you. I can't guarantee you, but I'm going to say I'm going to guarantee you at least $50,000 of your life and time. At least. At least. And at least five years of your life. I'm more inclined to say a decade and $100,000 because of the amount of misinformation and lies people are telling you. Just get Bachelor Pad Economics. And if, if you already know all that stuff, but you know somebody that needs one, you know, you need somebody that needs a little bit of a red pill, but you don't want to give them a harsh red pill. Bachelor Pad Economics is like a red, there's a red pill in there. There's a lot of red pills in there, but it's it's served up in a lot of whipped cream and chocolate sauce because uh, it's not it's not tirating or anything like that. It's, it's very instructional. Worthless, the young prince is indispensable. Guide to choosing the right major. That's for any of you high school kids, however many of you listen to this podcast. It should be everyone in the United States. Every high school kid should be listening to this podcast because I pick up where your parents and teachers and guidance counselors and teachers fail you, but make sure you don't piss away four years and 80 grand of your of your life and money away on a worthless degree. Get the book Worthless. That's cheap. Paperback, Kindle, audio. Enjoy the decline. If you're worried about the direction of the country, do not worry anymore. If you are p- 
peeved that this past month with North Korea and the, the Robert E. Lee Charlottesville statue thingy, did that upset you? One, you get enjoy the decline, read it, take your time, relax. It's very philosophical. It teaches you how to make lemonade out of lemons. Please get that book. It's absolutely a must for everybody out there who's upset. If you are upset and your blood pressure is going up, even Matt Forney. Matt Forney did a great podcast, first time in a long time, about how you should just stop worrying. He finally figured it out. He finally realized that you don't control national and international political forces. You just don't. And Matt was finding himself in a dark place, getting pissed off, getting angry in life. I said, oh, did someone read Enjoy the Decline? I think he did, actually. I think I even, <clears throat> on the Matt Forney scale of one to five stars, I got the best score possible, and that's two and a half stars. Because he never goes above two and a half. Everything sucks to him. But he, he came out, he's like, yeah, this is not worth it. My life is too short. And he's right. He's right. He figured it out. So uh, get uh, enjoy the decline. If politics are starting to make you, do, does, does the news make you angry? Will they get enjoy the decline? Curse of the high IQ. That's uh, for all you guys. If you're listening, then that book is for you. Had a lot of IQ questions come in this week. A lot of IQ people, high IQ people. Um, and uh, they either they were saying thank you or they had questions. And yeah, guys, just get this book. All right, and if you're not going to get this book, Please get your IQ tested, right? Get tested like you would for STDs. It's important that you get tested for high IQ, right? Because you're going to go through life thinking you're stupid or dumb because you didn't get a high GPA and you didn't obey. When in reality, GPAs and performance in school only measures how good you are at school, not the real world. Your IQ is what tells you what your capacity to achieve and succeed in the real world is capacity because there's also this thing called laziness and work ethic that seems to infect smart people just as much as it does dumb people so please get that book curse of the high iq paperback kindle and all your book and then finally do you have enough money saved up for retirement no you don't because i know you don't because nobody does only 15 percent of the baby boomers have enough saved up for retirement and they're on the verge of retiring if not already in the process of retiring right now Heaven help you if you happen to be Gen X of the Millennials or Gen Y with this wonderful booming economy Obama left us. And no, I'm not going to say it's Trump's economy. I'm going to do what everybody does and say it's, it's the other president's fault. Remember how long they were blaming Bush for the economy? Like Obama was solidly into his second term like, yeah, George Bush ruined the economy. Dirty, 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 dirt. You want, you want a litmus test as to tell whether or not you want to hang out with someone, whether they're smart enough to hang out with. There's two ways to do it. One, if they believe in global warming, it's man-made. That's, that's a surefire way to say, yeah, you do, not, you do not make the cut. You are not picked first for volleyball. You are not put, picked uh, second for kickball. You, are, you, are just, you go away now. I, I need intelligent people that have independent minds, not sheep. The second way is if they're still blaming George Bush or now are starting to blame uh, Donald Trump for the economy. Oh, what else? Uh, so yeah, you could get uh, my book, Poor Richard's Retirement. It shows you how to retire on about $175,000. Please get that book. It goes through philosophy. Uh, it, it doesn't just give you math. It's not just an instruction manual and here's your math and some worksheets. Um, it explains how you go about living your life, reprioritizing things in life, especially putting your fellow man first in your life and how once you do that, that is the key 
to a cheap, early, and successful retirement. So go get Poor Richard's Retirement, available paperback, Kindle, and audio book. We got other people's books. Run Guts, Pull Cones, Pushing Robert Downhill, both written by Adam Piggott, who happens to be podcasting again. Now I'm going to go check to see if he's got a podcast before I go for a run in the rain. Because the rain is cool and it's easy to run in the rain. Doody, doody, doo. Uh, but you can visit his site, pushingrubberdownhill.com. He also writes, and he does write really good pieces. Uh, they're very thorough. I just wish I had time to read them. I don't. I really don't. Remember when you're like a kid and you could sit there? I was talking to my buddy Richard about this. You could wake up and watch the cartoons again, you know, at 6 o'clock, 6.30, and eat frosted-covered donuts and drink Pepsi, going back to the 80s. And and it'd be noon, and then the cartoons would end, and you wouldn't have one ounce of pain, uh, of guilt. <laughs> you you wouldn't have one pang of guilt. You you'd be just as proud of yourself as you were. We, you could play video games. I remember playing Dragon Warrior, which is one of the original uh, RPGs, and and Final Fantasy, the the first one, and being perfectly fine with myself after wasting an entire weekend sitting inside when it was beautiful outside. I and now I can't do that. And uh, I don't know where I was going with this. Um, what was Adam Piggott? Oh, it was like reading is... And I, I just... Uh, I don't have time to read. I don't have time to read. I'm too busy now with asshole consulting and all this other stuff. Um, and just writing. And I, I, I haven't even gotten around to writing a real book in a while. I have my short little essays and short books that I do, yes. But um, I just... I would love just to sit and watch a bunch of spaghetti westerns, drink, eat crappy food, and then feel just as good about myself as as when I did when I was eight. I would be, oh, that would be bliss. That would just be bliss. Now we're adults. Now I've got responsibilities. Now i got I got a sexy body and I look good. I look damn good for 42. Holy shit, do I look good for 42. I look good for 25. Because the average 25-year-old is a fat millennial bleep. But anyway, yeah, now you got to keep this up. This takes work. That's another thing about being a kid. You could eat all that crap, and then you go play for seven hours nonstop. You come back, you got that washboard stomach. You look like you've been starving on some island. Your mom, you're so skinny. Why is your hair so blonde? I've been playing outside all day. What are you playing? Hit? Rocks? Uh, Bloody Murder. You guys ever play Bloody Murder or Kick the Can? Same game. But ah, you kids don't do that now. Uh, anyway, so check out Adam Pickett's uh, website, Pushing Rubber Downhill. Carrie Lutz's book, Viral Podcasting. If you're interested in becoming a podcaster, please check out that book, Viral Podcasting. Read it first before you embark. In other words, if you just try and start podcasting, you're going to make all these mistakes. And it's going to take. it's going to cost you at least 40 hours of time. Not to mention some money. But if you read this book first and spend the $12 or whatever is the cost of it and like the three or four hours to read it, you're going to come out ahead. All right? So get that book, Viral Podcasting by Carrie Lutz, our good friend over at FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com. Rational Male, Tolo, uh, Rolo Tomasi, he's got his new book out called Positive uh, Male Positive Masculinity. Um, you can find that on Amazon.com or just go to his site, TheRationalMail.com. And then Marcus Brown's book, another book, niggas, not niggers, niggas, ain't gone, G-O-N, not gonna, gone to, 
Gone Read. Another book, Niggas, Ain't Gone Read by Marcus Brown. That's available on Amazon. I think most everybody has them paperback and Kindle, but apparently I'm the only one that really is on the um, audiobook thing, which is a shame because when you got Jim Fear at 138.blogspot.com, more than willing to read and record your books for you and generate you an entire third. Like my book revenues, audiobook accounts for about a third. I mean, I even remember like, eh, do I want to offer my books on Kindle? Eh, do people read? Yes, they do. Like it is a given. You're going to do all three formats, guys. Paperback, Kindle, and audio. You're going to do all three formats. I know a lot of you got your books. You know, Glorious Carl. Oh, that's right. I got to put a Glorious Carl's book on here. Hang on. Trade the ratio. I got to put that here. Hang on. Glorious Carl has his book out. Trade the Ratio. Carl Ushanka, that's the name it's under. And so if you're looking to invest in precious metals, like you don't know anything about precious metals, you know you don't know anything about it. This is a great introductory book to explain to you the philosophical, political, and economic underpinnings and reasons why you should look at precious metals. And then he also goes on to give you a way to not just in not just buy them for insurance hedging against inflation, but how to make money off of them, trading the ratio, as he calls it. And it's not a terribly complex uh, trading program or technique, uh, but if you look at you don't want to just buy and hold. You, like, you kind of want to trade in and out of these things. Get the book and read the book, Trade the Ratio, available at Amazon.com. I think I'm the only one that's written a review. I mean, it just came out like last week, so it's... Uh, it, it's uh, yeah, don't, it's not... It's not in the, although, I guess it is... I think it's like the number one bestseller in commodities trading right now. Like whenever a new book comes out, there's that initial jump. And it's like, oh, it's number one in this sub, 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 sub category of Amazon. It's true. It is like the number one in like commodities trading. Uh, But if you keep it, that's the other thing is if you could keep it up. Freaking Milo Yiannopoulos. Holy cow. That was a blessing in disguise where Simon and Schuster dumped him and they just went and self-published anyway. And he made infinitely more money than, than he would have with Simon & Schuster. I I don't know what Simon & Schuster with... Oh, they weren't thinking. They're in their little echo chamber because they're New York publishing houses. And they still think they're relevant. I don't know why you wanted to go through a... I don't even know why anybody, anyone with a significant modicum of celebrity ship and popularity. Ann Coulter, uh, Rush Limbaugh, anybody who's who's famous, popular, maybe even, even on the left side. Uh, Tom Hartman... Um, um, the guy from uh, Wonder Years, what's his name? Paul. He's got a show on MSNBC. Um, he goes by the name of Rachel Maddow. Um, Paul, even if he, she, it were to write a book, uh, they should self-publish. I don't know why you guys go through publishing houses. I don't know why that is an unnecessary middleman. We could get you into Barnes and Noble. Oh, great! Thank you very much. It's so funny, like all my books now are available. At, at, they're available in libraries and Barnes and Noble, and it, and it irks me. I'm like, I didn't. I mean, I'm sure I signed something that says, "Yeah, you could go ahead and, and and have my books sold on Barnes and Noble." But I remember, like, they would Barnes and Noble Borders books. When I was first writing my book. I'm like, how? What do I got to do? And there was all these middlemen involved. Like, well, you have to talk to, have to get a publisher, but you need an agent to get a publisher. And then sometimes there's consultants that help you get an agent to help you get a publisher. And there's no guarantees. And then what was the other thing? Then there was like a, a TRSB, some kind of broker that if you got in with them, then they would get your books into the bookstores. 
All these layers of scum and parasites. All these layers of scum and middlemen. All trying to get all what you, you want to be. And they're all snooty and arrogant like Penguin Publisher or the London Publisher. Oh, they think they're so smart. All of a sudden, Amazon, the internet comes around. Bloop. Gone. Gone. I know you're still there, which I find funny as hell. That you guys still think you're relevant. Occasionally, you'll see an article written by one. Well, how do we know whether the good books are getting published or not? They need us to be guardians. And like, just to show you the delusional attitude, the arrogance that these New York publishers have. And now like Borders Books is gone. Tower Books is gone. And then uh, Barnes & Noble, I'm surprised they're still hanging in there. I am so surprised they're still hanging in. And now it's like, no, I don't. You guys were snooty, arrogant, cocky. Yeah, beforehand, and you're still snooty, cocky, arrogant. Yeah, no, I don't. You don't need Simon and Schuster. It's good to see Milo's book do so well. How many how many reviews it's got? Now keep in mind, I'm a I'm a quite a successful self published individual. In fact, I got like you know 150 plus reviews on half my books is pretty good. Let's uh, let's take a look at Milo's book. What's it called? Uh, Dangerous Faggot. Or dangerous? Dangerous. All right. Yeah, he's got 1,500 reviews. What is it? It's rank is like 300th or something like that. 277th. Number two in the in the books on censorship. Number four in political. Number five in commentary and opinion in politics and government. He made, he, he made more money doing it that way than writing for Simon & Schuster. How how is it, New York? You guys know everything, huh? Were the eighties fun? Do you remember Three Men and a Little Baby? Ha, huh? that was a pro. Oh, Steve Gutenberg, he was a funny guy, right? Remember when Eddie Murphy was popular? Yeah, uh, that 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 was your glory days. Retire, go away now. Oh, what else we got? Oh yeah, um, <clears throat> I had uh, not one, not two, but three individuals which could probably only just be one person uh, who has nothing else going on, telling me, and he, he, he was concerned. You see, he was concerned. Aaron, uh, boy, you know, I, I, I listen all the time, and uh, I, I just can't get through a 90-minute podcast. You know, you you got to get, you know, if you got to get it down to an hour because when I settle in, I settle in to listen to an hour, and boy, I just can't listen to 90 minutes. You just can't. Oh, and then... Probably he himself coming. Yeah, I agree. You know, I just can't get over a ninety-minute podcast. And then maybe he went in and changed his shirt and came out as a third person. And you know, you know, previous me number one and previous me number two. I too, current you two number three. I I agree. Aaron needs to cut it, guys. <clears throat> if there's one of you or three of you, shove it up your ass. And if you don't want to listen to a ninety-minute podcast, then stop at sixty minutes. It's called the freedom of choice. And you can stop at any time. You, matter of fact, if you're the, the type to think you're going to tell me how to do my job, you probably shouldn't be listening to the podcast at all. Telling me, oh, I, you know, I think that I, well, just, well, that's nice. Are you a podcaster? Do you make money for a living? Is this what you do for a living? Be like me going up to an auto mechanic, like, hey, you see, you know, um, I, I, uh, I know you probably want to put on that fourth tire, but me, I... I just think you should put on three. Shove it up your ass. Don't tell me how to do my job. 
unless you've done it yourself and you're better than me, which you're not, because as far as I can tell, well, I mean, there are certainly podcasters who are better than me, uh, but they're, they're not any assholes who are better than me. And on top of it, I know I'm going to say it again in case you guys didn't hear it. I don't do the podcast for you. I do it for me. This is my therapy. This is where I can yell and curse and tell everybody about my day. And if you want to tag along and listen to my thoughts, my rambling, you are more than welcome to. And I'm happy many of you do. It, it almost makes me feel like a little family here. But I'm not changing. Sometimes, you know what? The podcast will be 35 minutes. Sometimes it'll be two hours. But it's not going to be what you think it should be. Just where did people, where, who are these people? Where do they think, like, what, what is, how is their upbringing? How were they raised to think that, you know, I'm going to tell you, Mr. Expert in your own field in regard and right. You know, I, I should, what, talk, you know, Chuck Yeager, you know, Mr. Yeager, I, I think you should fly a little differently, you know, and, hey, hey, Mr. Roof, roofing man there, yeah, I see you guys with your roofing equipment and everything, I don't know, why are you putting, why don't you put it, why don't you roof at night, wouldn't it be cooler at that point, why are you roofing during the daytime, I've never roofed a roof in my life, I've never shingled a roof ever, but I'm just thinking, you know, let me provide my two worthless cents, you know, and, 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 no, 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 the podcast will be as long as the podcast is as I want it to go. When I'm done saying things, actually they go a lot longer if I went through all the topics I wanted to talk about. But uh, yeah, no, if, if you have a brilliant idea, like, hey, Captain, have you thought about this? This might make a lot of bit of money. But if you have a preference or opinion, take it, find a porcupine, have the porcupine eat it, and then shove that and the porcupine up your ass with the quills facing up your rectum. All right, glad we had this chat. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? If you've been paying attention to the news, you, you know of these two stories. Uh, there is the professor of law, not a lawyer, mind you, uh, who wrote uh, almost a poetic piece was it the Huffington Post or was it the Atlantic? Doesn't matter. She used the solar eclipse as a means by which to have yet... A, 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 I don't know if you, if, if you guys have heard of this thing, of this thing called racism. I know, I know none of you have heard anything about this in the news. No one writes about racism. We really ought to have a conversation about it someday. Uh, but there is one Alice Ristroff that wrote an article... Uh, Highlighting how the solar eclipse is going to go through white America. I mean, and, and a lot of people are saying, well, she's not saying solar eclipses are racist, but the point is, like, God Almighty, what can you worthless leftist academians, what, what, when, when does logic or reality take place? And this is the cost and consequences of never setting foot in the real world. And we're going to look into this gal later. And then there was the article about, uh, one, Sophia Jackson. Uh, she is the co-director of University of Southern California Black Student Assembly. And she was claiming that the Trojan's horse, the, the mascot, he comes in on a horse. And that the horse, well, let me just read some of it here from Fox News. Some students are claiming USC's longtime mascot, a white horse, is a racist symbol. The horse is named Traveler, which was also the name of Confederate General Robert E. Lee's horse. 
The name was called out recently by a leader of the USC Black Student Assembly at a rallying following the Charlottesville riots. The Los Angeles Times reported at the rally, according to the student newspaper, The Daily Trojan, Sophia Jackson, co-director of the USC Black Student Assembly, asked students not to be quiet and reminded that white supremacy hits close to home and referenced the name of the Trojans mascot. The Black Student Assembly did not respond to requests for comment, but the question Questions about the name's provenance have increased on social media in the midst of the national discussion on race. And so while the, the media rightfully so highlights these fools, these 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 morons, um, who are presumably very educated. One's a, one's a doctor. She has her doctorate in law. She is a professor. And the other is just, I already forgot her name, another, another sheep. Look at the color of my skin. Oh, woe is me. Oh, what should I do? K through 12 indoctrinators, K th- I should go and claim that I'm bigoted and discriminated against to the point there's no intelligence. There's no sign of intelligence because there's no judgment. Like, like it, it's just, it's an algorithm. They're automatized. Really think about it. This woman, whatever her name was, Sophia, Sophia, if she was truly a sentient human being with her own consciousness and intelligence, you would draw the line and say, oh, wait, you know, traveler, what is, oh, why did they call it? What does it matter? It's a horse. It's a, and you would say, that has nothing to do with it. Not one person in the world would think that has to do with racism. Same thing with another one uh, from the black community. I hate to say the black community because I know there's a lot of uh, you black gentlemen and ladies out there like, whoa, hang on. <laughs> it's not our team. <laughs> don't, don't, don't line them up with us. But the uh, the former or current Black Panther, who's aged now, who said that we should not have power washers, we shouldn't power wash sidewalks. The city should not be power washing sidewalks because that would trigger people and have post-traumatic stress. Those are aggressions, microaggressions, that would trigger those who got blasted with water cannons back in the 60s during race riots or civil uh, racial uh, protests back in the day. And power washers would... Uh, trigger them back to that chaotic moment and they have post-traumatic stress. So the point I'm making is that these people do not have intelligence. They are not intelligent people. Because an intelligent person, contrast with a computer that just runs runs a program, it doesn't have the ability to judge. It's programmed to run one particular way. Run this script, run this algorithm, run this command line. Uh, a human would say, oh, wait a minute, we got context. Oh, that's, you know, for reasons and, and, and things that are not accessible to a computer. Uh, you know, this is why we have consciousness, sentience. We can be judges. We don't just run the script. Well, apparently not. And apparently this is evidence that these people, including the professor that I'll get to, they're scripted. They're automatons. They are, this is empirical evidence, proof that these people have been brainwashed. They have, you could call it a narrative, but I would call it indoctrination, brainwashing, a program. And like the sheep and the automatons, they are not intelligent, individualistic human beings. They run the script. Oh, fine. And and in the case of the horse or in the case of the pressure washing, uh, it's racism. Everything must tie to racism. Racism, 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 because that's how we get our gimme dats. Always go for the victim. Always, We're always victims no matter what. Find it. Find a reason. Now, the professor who wrote the article 
about the solar eclipses highlighting race. Now, she's not black, but again, it doesn't matter what your race is here. She, too, has been programmed. Racism, discrimination, victimhood, more money, give me that. That's what it is. There's not a sign of intelligence amongst these people. Now, what the media didn't do is they didn't go and look up the backgrounds of these two people. And it's not going to be a shock to anybody here. You guys know you're smarter than the average bear. So let's take a look at Alice Ristroff. Sadly, she is a cute redhead. If she put on some makeup, you go go look up her, her, her uh, was it, uh, bio, CV, whatever. This is a gal that you can tell it's in her eyes. Like if she just put on some makeup, she had the potential, unlike most feminists and leftist females, she has the potential or had the potential because she looks like she's about 40 now to, to get herself a guy. This could have been a nice, beautiful woman at one time. She could maybe get, as the sun sets on her youth and beauty, she might be able to eke out another five, maybe 10 years, but I don't, she's so indoctrinated and so fallen into the leftist uh, religion that, that she's not going to give up on that. But you look at this and like, dang, that, that, you know, what was she like 20 years ago? Woo! Get, grow her hair out long, maybe curl it up a little bit, put on just a, a she has no makeup, no makeup. So here she is, Alice Ristroff. Uh, Alice Ristroff uh, joined the faculty in 2017. This is from brooklynlaw.edu, Brooklyn Law. I wonder, hang on, let's, let's take a look. Is this a highly ranked one? I don't think it's a tier one. U.S. News, Brooklyn Law, number 88. <laughs> it tied, it tied for 88. $1,526 per credit. Per credit. <laughs> uh, what is it? The law school has 157 full time. What tier is this? Three or two? I don't know. It ain't one of the top 14. All right. So this is a gal. I'm going to speculate. I could be wrong. She went and got her law degree. She couldn't become a lawyer because she probably went to a crappy law school. And now she's a professor at a crappy law school. They, they just live off of their own, guys. You want to talk about a Ponzi scheme? Look at leftist liberal arts professors and law professors as well. Are they out doing law? Or are they simply reteaching the same worthless crap that they couldn't get a career with? Okay, so L.S. Ristroff joined the faculty in 2017. She teaches and writes in criminal law and procedure, constitutional law and political theory with particular emphasis on issues of violence and resistance. How is that a codified thing? I know, they can make a study out of anything. Toenail fungus. Actually, that has more scientific validity as a, as a scientific study because there is some STEM and science in there. Her recent work examines laws that regulate state violence, focusing especially on the loss distribution of risks of physical harm. She also has been studying ways in which the law suppresses, tolerates, or even facilitates various forms of resistance to criminal justice institutions. Her scholarship has appeared in Duke Law Journal, Yale Law Journal, California Law Review, Constitutional Commentary, Virginia Law Review, UCA Law, Law Review, and other journals that I'm sure you and all your friends subscribe to. They didn't have that in there. Professor Ristroff as a member of the American Law Institute, she serves on the executive committee of the AALS section on jurisprudence. In the fall of 2017, Professor Ristoff will be visiting Harvard Law before the BLS litigation. Oh, before entering law teaching, she was a litigation associate, a Paul Weiss Rifkin 
Wharton and Garrison in New York City. She received her JD and PhD from Harvard University. How the heck aren't you? That's okay. She went to a real law school. That's one. That's one. That's one of the tier one. Why is she? All right, let's take a look at the CV. Why? I don't want to download the CV. All right. How much you want to bet she's in a STEM major? Okay. Professor, 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 professor. She has been a professor, fellow. God almighty. Where's her private sector experience? I don't see any of it. She's not even on a resume. She's just a professor this entire time. She's been a professor since 2005. That's the earliest. Now we go to the education. She got her law degree in 2001. She has her undergrad in government. Okay, so worthless degree. She had no intention of working a real job. So somewhere between 2001 and 2000... Well, wait. Minus three... No, two from the PhD. She graduated 2004. So she started 2002. Did she work a year in the private sector? Or did she just go right for... See, and with you got a, G, a JD. Can't you go teach? Isn't that a PhD? Oh, she got a PhD in government. So another worthless degree. Uh, book, articles. God, is she even going to list her private sector experience? No. She just attended a bunch. It's sad when you're listing all the seminars. Look at this. Page 7. Three of which is just seminars you attended. What does this have to do? Seminars? Good Lord, is that a thing? Uh, other experience? Here we go. Columbia Law, Associate in Law. Okay, yeah, so she she worked her, Paul Weiss, Rifkin, Wharton, and Garrison, she worked her paltry year and a half, two years in the private sector, and then went right back to the warm womb of world real world avoidance in academia, and, and that is where she has stayed. I mean, again, is it is it, the left, and especially the academian left, are going to espouse the stupidest crap ever. But I just want to point, this is what happens when you don't work in the real world. This is what happens when you never grow up. You think that you're, you're going you're gonna to stretch and try to find a way. Your life is so sad. Your intellect is so stunted and, and retarded. I don't mean that in like, duh, retarded. But like, I mean, I mean as in the fire was retarded. The literal definition. Your, your intellect is so retarded and, and handicapped and crippled that your even with a doctorate with a doctorate your best use of time is to is to tie solar eclipses to racism and it was a lengthy piece it was a long i tried to read it i'm like i'm not going to waste my time i'm just not going to waste my time i don't have to read a the 10547th article about why i'm a racist person even though i don't understand it you know i don't i don't need to read that all right, then we go, let's look up Sophia Jackson. There is no, uh, she has a LinkedIn thing here. Nowhere near quite as lengthy the entry as uh, Dr. Rostroff. Uh, Bachelor's of Arts in Philosophy, Politics, and Law. She is a sophomore. Activities in society, she's for speech, empowerment, muriality, visions, and voices. What the hell is that? Speech, empowerment, Mere reality? Uh, USC Arts and Humanities Initiative Environmental Student Assembly Black Student Assembly. 
Um, hang on, let's look at the speech empower empowerment muriality. I love how 17 and 18-year-olds think that they could be taught leadership and, and, and leadership and organizational management. Management and leadership. Oh, empowerment. <laughs> muriality. What is that? Empowerment of women, na na na. Okay, that doesn't come up. Let's just, I wonder what Muir reality is. What is this? USC, Muir reality. What is Muir reality? Oh, is this going to be a, another BS leftist made up thing? Founded in 2014, Muir reality is a USC officially recognized student organization with the next generation of creative mind and innovators that all what? S sit and think the exact same. It's already been displayed. That Sophia Jackson and the likes of her lack genuine human intelligence. She cannot help but run the program like the board. She cannot help like, like a, a laptop or an apple. Cannot help but run the code, run the script, and take horse name traveler to racism. She cannot help it. She's She's... Proven one of two things. She is either truly lacking human intelligence and that she's, and therefore if you lack human intelligence, you're an individuality and sentientness, you are not going to be creative. You are a program. You are, you are an automaton. Automatons do not create. They obey. Or she knows damn well what she's doing and she is insistent on taking everything to an absurd level. And turning it into racism so she could get free money and free hand-me-outs and free gimme-dads and assistance and legs up. Privileges. Uh, benefits that other people don't. Because she frankly doesn't want to work hard. And whereas I wish I could credit or uh, chart her, her behavior to something as malicious as that, theft, parasitism, laziness, sloth, the more and more I look at like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Professor Ristroff there writing this BS up and they actually believe it, I think she might be a true believer. She might actually think that I must take everything and convey it to racism. Imagine all the time and love and potential loss with these brains. Imagine, look, take a look at Miss Ristroff. I doubt she's married. I doubt she has a great social life. How fun is it to hang out with automatons and constantly talk about racism and sexism and politics all the time? Oh my God, could you imagine what a buzzkill these people would be? I'd rather hang out with Lord Buzz Killington than these people. So let's be very clear. This is, this is you know, when you have to say, to quote the great one himself, when you have to tell people something that you are or aren't, then you're the opposite. We're creative. No, you're not. I'm not racist. Yes, you are. <laughs> I don't hate white people. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh is the next generation of creative minds and innovators and those who want to support them. We take a human-centered approach to promoting and creating socially conscious art on the USC campus in LA area. We're an intersection between art and social activism. Oh, wow, that's original. Yeah, because politics hasn't taken over art at all the past 50 years, has it? Like, just yesterday, they started having political messages with art. Like, 
We haven't had a bunch of worthless, talentless automatons like you guys come in and then start making crappy art because you have no talent and it's really actually hard work to be a good artist and then you just throw a political message behind it and then that way you think you're an artist. And then your rich parents who have connections over at crappy art museums and modern and minimalist art museums and postmodern art museums, they get your crap like the work, heck, three-year-olds' crayon drawings have more creative creativity and innovation that are stuck on people's uh, parents' uh, uh, refrigerators than there is over in the uh, Walker Art Center or any one of these worthless, worthless, truly worthless minimalist and modern-day art museums. But you guys are just now, it's an intersectionality between art and social action activism. That is so copycat plagiarism. That's nothing new. We make an impact through art. No, you don't. You do because you make architecture and art horrible, hideous. It's an eyesore. Very closely related. All the fat people and the fat women with their piercings. and uh, For men, for men. I know men are ugly for women too with the hair buns and the salmon jeans. Women, unfortunately, have to look at this negative externality of the environment. Ugly men walking around. And men have to look at ugly, gross, fat women walking around. Just like we have to look at this minimalist, ugly architecture from the 60s and the 70s. You guys are behind by 40 years. So yeah, you make an impact. Not a positive one, a hideous one. An eyesore. It's just, oh, God, oh. What do we do? We make collaborative projects and we are a network of artists and art lovers by creating a large-scale installations including a women's empowerment mural with I am the girl made of recycled materials. <laughs> oh, you know, here's here take a look at this. If you look, you can take a look at their artwork. They got an artwork of balloons. Uh, it's it's got some lights and it's not even balloons. I think they just blew up a bunch of plastic bags. What the hell? Uh, women's empowerment mural with a I am that girl made from recycled materials. Artist promotional events like underground and lemonade and art on the wheels. A mobile gal- a gallery. Muriality has created impacts on and around campus through art. Our artist workshop series, art retreats, and creating a benefit concert of, in collaboration with Hollywood Records. Are ways in which we have expanded our reach, diversified our marketing strategies to involve a multifaceted... Dude, that is way too many words to say we go begging for money and hope people hire us. Otherwise, we get grant money because no one wants to hire us because we are not artists. Our art is not good enough to have people willingly fork over money, so we have to go steal it from the taxpayers. Our past sponsors, past partners and sponsors. Uh, recognition from the USC Undergraduate Student Government. The Roski School of Art and Design and the USC Events and Venues. We have collaborated with not one private company. Not one private company. Oh, here we go. Our corporate partners have included. Now, did they give you money? Disney's Music Groups, Hollywood Recordings, Fairfax Recordings, Genetic Denim, Los Angeles and Los Angeles Lakers. How do I join? Are you ready to collaborate? Yes. I got to see what we got to see what their gallery looks like. Past work. Oh guys, you gotta look at this. This is this is horrible. Oh, they're doing finger painting. Look at this. This is art. This is art. <laughs> oh man. Oh, they made shirts. Look at that. She made a shirt. Oh wow. 
Guys, you want to see some of the crappiest art ever? Spring 2016 projects. What's to come? Well, they're obviously not active anymore. This guy literally has a picture of a blank wall. Oh, man. Oh, anything to avoid a real job, hey, guys? Anything to avoid uh, to avoid effort and work and toil, huh? All right, so uh, that's he's executive marketing producer of the Environmental Student Assembly, executive creative director, secretary, and vice president of partnerships of reality, assistant communications director for speech. But do you have a job? I'm not kidding. I'll hire I'll hire a kid that works security or works like uh, uh, the the food service. But that's beneath you, right? You're too smart for that, right? Regurgitating everything and tying it to racism and sexism and oppression so you could get more free gimme that. Do you have any intention to work, Miss Jackson? Any? Ah. We all know the answer. Member representative likes to an assembly. Coaching corpse coach. Here's a question I have for Professor Ristroff and Miss Jackson, Sophia Jackson. What if everybody did what you guys would do? Would society be able to survive? I mean, what, what value do you bring to society? You guys don't do anything of value for society. You are pariahs. You are parasites. You don't produce anything of value. Uh, you go to an engineer. Oh, I can make electricity. You go to a mechanic. I can get the cars running. You go to a petroleum engineer. Oh, I could get oil out of the ground. But if everybody did, if everybody majored in the liberal arts, you die. Society would die. We wouldn't make it a year because no one's growing any food. No one's producing any paper. No one's paving any roads. No, no one's doing... Nobody. You guys just want to live off of society. And instead of just collecting a check, you got to come up with some fake fabricated faux industry, faux profession, made completely of taxpayer and parasitic dollars. So you have your egos masturbated. And so don't be surprised when you have someone who is this hypocritical. This intellectually weak, this intellectually lazy, that they come up with the most stupid of things like, hey, eclipses are racist, and so are horses named Traveler. She's getting her degree in philosophy, politics, and law. And then I love how she's like following the London School of Economics, political science. She follows Ariana Huffington, who inherited all of her money. Oh. It's a question I want to ask of every 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old student out there, high school or college, who's thinking about majoring in the liberal arts. Or for those of you who are leftists and actually believe this, look, look at these people. All right, this is apolitical. Let's take politics out of it. Do you really want to become these people? Do you really want to become these people? Alice Ristroff, do you want to just like sit in academia all day to the point that you think the best expenditure of your time is to go and write a nearly 5,000 word article relating solar eclipses to racism? Heck, just writing about racism. Has it not been covered enough? You're not breaking any new ground. You're not making any new... For You're certainly not solving the problem. I love how the left, the entire left, all they do is bitch, whine, moan, and complain, but there's no solutions except we need more money, which hasn't worked in the past 60 years, if you haven't noticed. And then think about becoming uh, the Sophia guy. Where, where are you mentally, in your life and in your own brain, that 
you think, you actually think in your mind, the mascot, not the mascot, the horse that the mascot rides on, his name happens to be Traveler, and you tie that to a horse that was, what, 160, how long ago was the Civil War? 150, this, you know, it's 100. Yeah, 150 years ago, 160 years ago, if I do the math right. What, what if, what if the guy who sold the horse, who raised the horse, he called him Traveler because he went traveling with him? I mean, what are the chances that it's actually named after the, the horse Traveler back in the olden days, Robert E. Lee's horse? And then ESPN, where they take this poor guy, I don't know if you guys heard about it or not, probably, but uh, here's this Asian dude. His name is Robert Lee. Lee is a common Asian name. He, he, born in America, obviously of, obviously of Asian descent. Uh, his last name just happens to be Lee. Has nothing to do with the Civil War general. Nothing. ESPN takes him off the beat at a college game because he's afraid that he is going to get assaulted because of his name, Robert Lee. When it's painfully obvious, it's it's an Asian surname. I don't know. Maybe maybe with with Alice Ristroffs and the the sh- sh- whatever her name Miss Jackson of the world, if they are on automatic pilot, if they are on automaton, they do not have the ability to. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they're so conditioned and brainwashed to look for racism where it doesn't exist. They will take a completely innocent man. Robert Lee, the the Asian, not the general, and they're gonna beat him up. I, I don't know. Is it is plus? Here's the problem that we face. If that's the level of lack of intellect, you are the Borg and you are the enemy. Nothing's gonna get through to you guys. And the only way to respond to people like that is either through violence, like physically preventing them from doing things. If they ever, they're not going to. But they're not. They don't respond to reason. They don't respond to logic. They don't respond to evidence. It, they're not going to even, and I understand what I'm saying. I'm talking like, not, not violence, but you can only physically interact with them. You have to restrain them physically because nothing gets through them intellectually. They are conditioned to carry out, I mean, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a robot. This robot with a gun turret is, is coming towards my house. How do I stop it? There's no reasoning rationally. What you got to do is you got to put up a barricade so it can't get around or you have to disable it, shoot it, violence. My, my larger point is not one that, let's go, that's not it. Don't misconstrue that. My, my point is that nothing is going to get through to them with logic, reason, evidence, reality, facts, philosophy, intellectually honest. These people are totally incapable of intellectual honesty. So the only thing you can do is either avoid them, or if they start threatening you directly, you have to physically restrain them because there's no talking them out of it. None. Now, this poor guy, Robert Lee, is going to not have as good of a career as he could because ESPN, so oh, people might think it's racist. <laughs> and you want us to respect you. You want people on the right to respect you people in academia, not to mention ESPN. You really expect, with your, with your clear-as-day display of your lack of inhuman intelligence, your lack of judgment, your lack of your ability to discern and your perfect display of automatonic, not thinking, programming. You expect us to respect you? 
You expect us to even give you a second thought? You think we're gonna, we're gonna, what? We're gonna, like, oh, well, they make a point. Yep, the horse is racist. That's why I should pay more taxes. (laughs) And about the only way I can see to maybe get through to these people is to mock them and ridicule them for their own benefit that they might wake up one day and realize, hey, I'm finite, and do I want to be like that guy who's the 75-year-old Black Panther dude who thinks spraying sidewalks with pressure washers is racist? I mean, let me look that guy up. Hang on, let me look this guy up. Because let's just, he's got to have an entry or something on him. Okay, Black Panther uh, pressure washer spray. Uh, What would it call? Race riots? Race riots. Let's see if this comes up. From San Diego, suited Boone. No, no. Now I'm getting stuff. Pressure washer sidewalks triggers racism. Let's see if that comes up. Now clean poop off sidewalks. Okay, yeah, here we go. Seattle Councilman. Uh, Let's look up this guy. Outside King County. I just, I mean, for for research's sake, let's look this guy up and then look, and I'm talking to leftists. I'm talking to you, 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, who you're going to go become a social justice warrior. You're going to change the world. This is where that path leads. So let's look at this guy saying, Larry Gossett said he didn't like the idea of power washing the sidewalks because it brought back images of those, of the use of hoses again. So, all right, let's look up Larry Gossett. Close out of this ad. And I'll go through his background and you tell me, because uh, uh, Miss Jackson is young. She's still very young. So she has her whole life to turn around. She has her whole life to go like become an accountant, become an engineer, go do something, quit wasting her life, hating on white people, hating on thinking everybody's out to get you. And then... Um, Alice Ristroff, she's middle-aged. She could turn around half her life. Maybe she could get herself a guy. Maybe. I mean, it might be a little bit too late for her to... Um, okay, he's born 45. It might be a little bit too late for her to you know, have a family. All right, Larry, da-da-da-da. American politician. Okay, native of Seattle, graduate 1963 Franklin High School, University of Washington, Vista Volunteer. Draft deferment, politicized and radicalized and returning to Seattle, became the founder of the Black Student Union, helped organize nearly a dozen high school, middle school black student unions throughout Seattle, student activist, he was instrumental and also played a role in discrimination. He graduated from the UW in 1970, receiving the university's first ever degree in African-American studies. He's okay. He's poor. All he's been doing, look. Not that, not the. There's nothing wrong with protesting against actual racism or other social injustices. Absolutely, go ahead. But, ladies and gentlemen, think of this guy's life. It's all it's been for him is racism. Do you ever think about going having fun? Like R.J. Jones, R.J. Jones, black kid. You know what he does? He just he went up to Banff. He sent me pictures. Hey, look at you. You're enjoying life. You're in probably He says, yeah, I think I want to go to Morocco and ride a camel. I'm like, well, can you afford the fight? He's like, yeah. He's going and living life. 
He's not steeping and stewing himself in hate. His entire career is not uh, stick it to the man. And then here's this guy gets his first ever university degree in, in a worthless, in a fake subject. Before he had even formally received his BA, he became the first supervisor of the Black Student Division in the University Office of Minorities Affairs, the Seattle Civil Rights and Labor History Project. Describes him as being late citizen, no black young rap, former da-da-da, still working for UW, was involved in occupation, Central La Raza, 1979 till December 1993, is executive director of Seattle's Central Area Motivation Program, Found his way back in electoral progress, politics by way of involvement in Jesse Jackson's presidential campaigns. Well, those were really successful. 1990, yeah, run unopposed. Now, he's had a great political career, avoiding the real jobs in the real world for so long. But do you think he's happy? Do you think in his mind that, that, and think about this, all these poor black youth that actually listened to this guy and believed him. And this is the guy saying that we shouldn't have pressure washers on sidewalks because that'll trigger people to have PSTD from the race riot days. Are you joking me? What is that like waking up in the morning and the first thing in your mind is, how is Whitey screwing me over today? How am I oppressed today? You don't look outside and see the sun. You don't look outside and maybe I'll go for a run. Hey, I got some nieces and nephews or I got family. Certainly not in case of Miss Astroff. Oh, I'm going to go and create a new internet digital thingy. Oh, I might join the military and serve my country. All these other things you could choose. All of them. All of them. And he chooses to stew in hatred and the past. And that's where that life leads. That's where the life leads. This social justice warrior, woe is me, victim of nearly all the liberal arts and all the social sciences, that's where they lead. You're not learning about Plato You're not learning about philosophy. You're not learning about history. It's all oppression, hatred, seething, stewing, rage, injustice, unfairness, nothing good, nothing good, nothing happy, nothing, nothing beautiful. No one studies real art anymore. No one studies, no one creates any real art anymore. No one writes any real good books anymore. No, it's all crap. It's all bad. It's how am I oppressed? How should I feel oppressed as evidenced by the immediate the, the shortest distance, like electricity, let's find the shortest distance between this phenomenon in the world, no matter what it is, and how it's racist or oppressive or sexist or whatever. And for those of you who are looking, right now you get a choice. You could go down fields, college, trade school, military, whatever, where there's production and value at the end. You have money. You have a social life. You can have family, you can have friends. Or you join a religion, that's basically your other... It is a religion, boys and girls, it is a religion. You go down the path, and it's not a happy religion. Heck, Islam is a a funner, more optimistic... At least there's 72 virgins at the end of that one. This one, I don't know what it is. Hate, more hate, jealousy, envy... Being constantly unhappy and pissed off for your entire life? Are you joking me? I know. No one listens to this. No one listens to this. No one's going to listen to it. I'll put it up on YouTube. Maybe somebody will share it with young kids, young boys and girls. But it's, you can, what, from these three people, Larry Gossett, uh, 
Miss Jackson, I forget her first name, and Alice Astroff. Look at them. Look at them and ask yourself, male, female, white, black, gay, straight, do you want to live these people's lives? Do you want to wake up and say, wow, look at that eclipse. That was the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. That was and do you want your brain to immediately default towards racism and hate and all the pressure and stress that comes with that? Or do you just want to say, wow, that's really cool. You know, that's got me interested in astronomy. I should go study the moon. I should go study Jupiter in the solar system. I want, and what's going to make you happier? What's going to make you a better person? What's really going to truly expand your mind? The same broken record of racism, racism, sexism, sexism, misogyny, misogyny. That, really? You don't have enough of that? Or just pioneering. Not even, It's been pioneered before. It's been discovered. But for you, our own personal intellect, your own personal brain, for your own food of consumption, do you want to change your diet from racism, racism, racism to astronomy, philosophy, humor, comedy, literature, uh, theater? All this stuff this world offers, all, out of all of it, ask yourself what kind of mentality, what kind of intellect, what kind of mental stability, what kind of brain do you have Will you just choose to obsess and narrowly and only focus on isms and ists? I don't, I don't want to become that person. I do not want to become that person. Not going to become that person. My life is way too short, and I like myself way too much to live the life of Larry Gossett. Or I keep wanting to call him the gal over at USC, Shania Twain. It's not it. Or uh, Miss Astroff. No way. You're not going to see me right. Oh, uh, hey. Oh, look. There's a lunar eclipse. It's, uh, it reminds me of a vagina and the oppressive male phallic symbol. I, I, my, I'm not that sad. I'm frankly not that pathetic of a person. I have too much important crap and fun stuff going on in my life. And that's why I'm going to get on my motorcycle tomorrow and I'm going to go ride around the American West. And when I see Mount Rushmore or Rocky Mountain National Park or the Badlands or the prairies of Wyoming, I'm not going to have one thought about racism or sexism. I'm just going to say, wow, that's beautiful. That's really nice. Look at that. Oh, this is, this is nice being alive and enjoying life. Oh, look, hey, some curves. All right, hey, oh, wow, that was fun. I I am happy. These curves represent man's obsession with the woman's breast, and they should be body positive. I don't know how, you feminists and leftists live with yourself. I don't know how. All right, more sponsors. <clears throat> now I should pull up the sponsor list. Assholeconsulting.com. If you got questions, I have answers as long as you have money. We are here to help out all of you who were brought up under broken homes, a lack of a father. Your father was present, but he was a spineless pansy. Uh, or if you happen to have some kind of business problems, you need business consulting. We do any kind of consulting because let me tell you what the specialty of asshole consulting is. It is truth, blunt, blunt direct truth. And if I'm allowed to be curt, direct, and blunt with you, and I don't have to worry about your feelings, it takes a fraction of the time and therefore a fraction of the cost to tell you how to solve your problems. If you want a regular consultant and you want lies, go hire a Bain or a McKinsey or an Accenture. Go hire, go hire whoever the heck it is. Go hire an MBA. 
You want the truth? You want your problems solved? Contact me. You want you want to have your your oh I got issues and oh I got to talk to go talk to a therapist for twenty years at a hundred dollars. Go ahead, please do. Go ahead. You want a swift kick in the ass that's going to make you actually change and you're like oh I don't have to sit here and mope all day. Well maybe you should contact Asshole Consulting. Go to assholeconsulting.com. Find me there. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast, you may. It also gets you a spot on my blog, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. And I do a Cappy the Whore for advertisement on my YouTube channel. So I plug you on YouTube, I plug you on my blog, and I run a, a, an ad, a, a spot for you here every uh, week at least <clears throat> on the old podcast. Chad Elkins, ElkinsCPA.com. If you're looking for a CPA, contact Chad at ElkinsCPA.com. Not Chad at ElkinsCPA.com, www.ElkinsCPA.com. Check them out. ConservativeBrew.com. It is conservative coffee. That's better than Black Rifle Coffee. I know the sycophants of Black Rifle think that's uh, blasphemy. Uh, it's not blasphemy. It's true. I've, I've tried Conservative Brew, and it's better than Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, we also have the League of Extraordinary Podcasters, 405media.com, Obsidian Radio, Financial Survival Network, Conto Talk with our good buddy Silvio Conto, C-A-N-T-O, Conto Talk. You can find him on Blog Talk Radio. O'Shea Jackson. The Negro Manosphere, you can visit him at his site, negromanosphere.com, or check out his website, O'Shea, I'm sorry, not his website, his YouTube channel, O'Shea Jackson. There's only one, don't worry, there's only one, you'll find him. (laughs) That's the one problem, I I like to binge listen to O'Shea and a couple other guys when I drive across the country. The only problem is, I have to do that in a car or my truck. On the motorcycle, I can't really listen to, to, because the wind, it, it doesn't allow for it. So uh, when I go hiking, though, I'm going to binge listen to him. Uh, Tom Likas, you can visit Tom Likas at blowmeuptom.com. And then the Cynical Libertarian Society. You can visit the Cynical Libertarian Society at sinlibsocial.com. Just so you know, when you go there, you're going to see the Hillary and Obama, you know, Obama's sunset and Hillary with the H with the arrow through it. Uh, He put swastikas and the star and sickle on that. And a lot of people go there and they think he's a Nazi or a communist. He is not. He is merely making fun of Hillary Clinton and um, Barack Obama. When I went there, I was like, oh, crap, SS symbols and the swastika. I got to get rid of that. Oh, this, I didn't know this guy was a Nazi. That's how your brain is. Now, I've, I've recommended maybe you get rid of that, kind of get rid of that. And I know I know he hates Hillary Clinton. I know he hates communism and Nazism. That's why he has it up there. But people are so conditioned to see once you see a swastika or the SS sign, they tune it out. The star and sickle, everyone under 30 starts to masturbate to it because they care. Even though they killed more than Nazis in peacetime without even having to fire a bullet, they care. Um, because, you know, uh, no, what's his name? Che Quavera, he was cool and sexy. You know, kind of like every once in a while, there's like a, a terrorist that's really pretty and good looking guy and the women are like, oh, why do you have to be a terrorist? I'd, I'd make his bomb babies. And they're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not protecting Western civilization anymore. I don't care anymore. And we can check him out, sinlibsoch.com, the abbreviation for Cynical Libertarian Society, sinlibsoch.com. Be prepared for even more cursing than me. Academic Composition. Go to academiccomposition.com if you want to have somebody else write your completely unnecessary, hurdle-jumping, liberal arts, sociology, social science, prerequisite classes you are forced to take to keep worthless liberal arts majors employed classes all those papers you got to write about how marx is great and you're sexist and racist even though you don't know it uh it's a pain in the patoots 
Have Alex and his crackpot team of writing staff write your liberal arts papers for you. You can go work. You could go do something more productive. Why waste your brain and your time on something that is just painful, just painful and worthless? Go to academiccomposition.com. Also, if you're looking for a job, Alex is always hiring. You can, if you can write good, you know you can write BS because that's all the the liberal arts and social sciences are nowadays. Uh, he pays, uh, I think he pays ten dollars a page. So if you can bang it out, it's pretty good. And also, he's always looking for advertisers and marketers. All jobs are boring. They're boring jobs. They're not high paid. It's just a job. But what you can do is you can work from anywhere in the world because it's all online. So don't expect, oh, you know, this is boring work. Really? Writing leftist slop is boring work? Who knew? Who knew? But just to be forthright and upfront, academiccomposition.com. Go there. Whether you are a client or you are looking for a job, tell them the captain sent you, and that way he keeps advertising on my show. Jimfear138.blogspot.com. If you are looking for an audiologist, a sound recorder, a voice recorder, Go contact jimfear138.blogspot.com. He does all my books, and uh, he's I think he's got a backup. He started working on um, Michael King Kingwood Kingswood's books. He does science fiction and all that. You guys can look him up. Michael Kingswood on Amazon.com. Uh, and then uh, what else? We have my two classes, the analysis, evaluation of stocks, and my more introductory class to retirement planning, stocks, bonds, investing, oh my. Those are available online. You can find them just by searching the titles. You can take them anywhere you want. Uh, you don't have to take them in your, your local town. I had a gentleman from, uh, was it Raleigh? What was he from? Somewhere in North Carolina. He says, hey, is your class offered in Raleigh? He's like, well, it might be. It's offered at hundreds of different community online, like your library or your community center or the local community college. It's literally offered at hundreds of different places. Uh, but unless you're taking it for credit, you could take it wherever it's cheapest. So what I recommend you do is you search the title in your shop, even though this goes against my own best interest because the more you pay, the more I make. Uh, but find it wherever. I mean, we got people in Hong Kong taking it, East India taking it, uh, wherever. You know, you can sign up for it. Uh, but yeah, just be on your best behavior. No politics talk. No, that stupid Obama. Da, 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 da. None of that. Uh, the majority of people that take these classes are old retired grandma ladies. Uh, you know, imagine your grandma and grandpa taking these classes. So let's, you know, keep it clean. Uh, and then we have my two best of books, Captain Capitalism Top Shelf and Captain Capitalism Reserve. That is the best post from my blog, two different books, Captain Capitalism Top Shelf, Captain Capitalism Reserve. You can find those on Amazon.com. And do I want to do another? Nah, I got I to gotta pack and get ready. I got to pack and get ready. I got to do that. So uh, if you guys happen to be out west, shoot, shoot the old captain an email and let me know. I am going to be going through Denver. Pretty sure I'm going to be going through Grand Junction, Colorado. And I will be in Vegas, but I think I'm going to be tired by that time. Um, but yeah, if you happen to be in that area out in the west, let me know. My I, Albuquerque, I might be in Albuquerque. Uh, shoot the old captain an email. Maybe I'll go smoke cigars or something. All right, that's all we got. Tell family, friends, loved ones, people you're indifferent about, about the blog. And also remember, men, testicular cancer, very easy to cure or detect. Just fidget with your nuts. Any lumps or hardness, you know, go go talk to the doc right away, guys. Go talk to the doc. Ladies, same thing with breast cancer. Unlike the Susan G. Komen Foundation and the NFL and the ABC and the uh, Amer- NBA, MLB, where all those guys put on pink gloves and you think, oh, my God, we're raising a wind. And oh. No, raising awareness does not stop cancer. Getting a mammogram does. 
Because unlike those people, I actually want you to not get breast cancer. So ladies, please go get your mammograms, get your boobs checked out. Ladies, fish it with your boyfriend's nuts. Look for testicular cancers. Men, play with your woman's boob, but you're not professionally trained to go uh, find that. Ladies, please go to a professional and get the mammogram. That's it. We'll see you kids later. Toodles.